You're listening to the Deep Gripping Reality Podcast. The show that gives you leadership lessons and insights from the cutting edge of digital marketing. Hosted by Stephen J. Edelman. It's about to get deep. I've been told that my uh, audience kind of likes it when I give sneak peeks into my consulting stuff that I do for work. Um, it's a little more raw, and it's a little more, uh, sin- I, I won't say sincere, but it's a little more um, transparent. And you can kind of see how my professional advice that I give uh, in my job is very similar, if not identical to, so a little bit of integrity here, what I do on a day-to-day basis uh, on the podcast. So today's subject, um, I'm not going to mention who the, the client is, but I will tell you that, that uh, you will not hear them, you'll only hear me. And they had some really interesting questions about keyword implementation. So specifically, these guys uh, do B2B work and they work with um, factories and they have a special kind of, of software that helps with productivity. It's, um, I don't want to call it an app, but it's kind of like an app, but it's software that helps with productivity, with time management, with process management. Um, and so a lot of the verbiage that they use on their website is is super complex to to the uninitiated, to those who don't understand the keywords. So the question that their um, SEO and and digital marketing director was asking me was, how do we take these keywords that are very industry-specific, very niche, and implement them in an overall strategy to help drive traffic um, because, you know, the search, people aren't really necessarily searching for this. And then she she had said, uh, what about, you know, there's certain keywords that if you search for these keywords, what usually comes up is a blog, and that seems a little below what we do. And so, you know, should I be having a blog explaining what these keywords mean? You know, would that be a good idea? Would it be on brand? And and so there were some very interesting questions, and the responses that you're about to get from me were, were all about that. Um, and so... I think you'll find it very interesting because my before this, what I didn't record was a conversation about how you can implement keywords, related keywords, and long-tail keywords, um, and that you should always be doing this research for Google Ads, um, and how you can you you can use dynamic ads that are um, you know there's smart ads, there's dynamic ads, there's you know there's a lot of different types of ads that you can do where you can let Google do all the work and all you have to do is spend a good half hour doing some serious copywriting um, with related content and then you know just monitor your ads and turn off the ones that are uh, you know not performing well have a high click-through rate but maybe a, a high abandon rate so it's not really valuable it's costing you money so there was a lot of conversation about that but the the part that I thought would be most interesting for this podcast would be or was and is about SEO. So without further ado, here is my side of the con- con- the consulting conversation that I had with this uh, client and I think that I hope that you'll find it very valuable and insightful. Um, so thank you for tuning in. It's about to get deep. 
keyword implementation. And if you're considering which keywords you want to get found for, a lot of times you're already ahead of the curve. But um, you know, the key, Google's Keyword Planner is a great tool to find related keywords. But taking that whole list of keywords that people um, have given you within your organization and figuring out how to sprinkle those in is a really good start to organic SEO. But if you if you Google search these words, um, you know, you're right to think that usually you're going to get some kind of a definition or a blog explaining it. Um, you know, with a specialized company, a lot of times, especially B2B, you think that your clients are going to already understand what these words mean and, and what the the um, concepts are behind them. However, and this is kind of where the, the kicker comes from, is that you know, you're kind of excluding an entire population of potential clients because what about the ones who have like a new factory or a factory who's doing it a little old school and isn't using the software that you're trying to get found for, right? So they don't, un they, they know that there are names for these processes and for these different things, but they don't realize that it can all tie together in software. And so if they're looking for ways to, to streamline their, their, um, their processes, they may not even realize that they need what you are offering. So what I would say is that it doesn't hurt to create that page because if you get found for it, it's going to pique curiosity enough that they'll dig deeper as long as it's written really well and it's really um, relevant to, to what they're searching for. If it gives good answers, it all it establishes credibility. And then if it has cross-links built into it, a really good call to action at the end of it, then tying that to other places on the website is nearly guaranteed to drive them in further and push them down that buying process from the information discovery phase into the conversion of a lead phase and actually reaching out for some kind of a demo or something like that. Um, and then to your to the other point, I, I, you know, I've, I've talked to you about this before, but I'm a huge fan of video content. And so taking essentially transcripts from video content, if there is, if there is, you know, verbal content, that's one way to do it. Um, another is to literally, so say it's just a, you know, maybe there's music in the background and there's no vocals over it. And it's literally just like a step-by-step -step video of how to do things. Well, that's usually the kind of video that is created for either internal use to train people or for already existing clients to train people and would normally be sent out with the with some kind of a PDF or some kind of a guide, right? So um, what it makes me think of is if you buy a, um, a cabinet or a dresser, sometimes they'll say, scan this for a how-to video on how to, how to put everything together. It's that kind of thing. So either that documentation, that asset as it's called, already exists and you just need to find it and then convert it into something a little more digestible for a blog with the video as, as, as complementary content or create it. Go through and watch the video, even if it's muted, and type out what you're seeing on screen. Type out the process, you know, explain what's going on as if you were reading a script and walking people through it. 
So the next question I was asked was about um, what to do with video content. So these guys had some really great walkthrough content that showed maybe some screenshots and kind of was meant to be a benefit type of, of video that, that highlighted the benefits and the ease of use and, and how it cut out uh, costs and, and increased productivity. The issue is that there was no sound to it. There was no uh, textual content explaining it. So they wanted to know what to do with that um, and where best to implement such a video if it had value. And so that was a very interesting question. And that's that's another reason that I like doing um, these live consulting sessions for podcasts is because uh, it gives me a chance to answer questions that I normally wouldn't think of talking about on the show myself. So uh, this is my answer to uh, what to do with video content once you have it. It's kind of funny. Something that I've come to realize is that um, I'm always encouraging people, hey, you need to get video content out there. Well, getting them to actually do it can be a pain, but then knowing what to do once you have it or how to use it properly is a whole nother thing, right? So, um, you know, if a video like that, 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 that is more for explaining things and doesn't, it doesn't necessarily have to have background music or anything like that, as long as you are highlighting right below that video in the description what it is, that's super helpful. Now, keep in mind, that's exactly what you need specifically for your website or for a hidden page within your website for current clients. That's not going to do anything for you on, say, YouTube, where you know not a lot of people read the description. The description's more there for the algorithm, and if they can't hear or see what's going on and understand it, then it's, it's wasting their time. So you want to make sure you're using the right content in the right places. So... <laughs> Quite literally, if you do nothing else, having meta descriptions, title tags, and alt descriptions with good keywords is like essential. You absolutely want to do that. However, once that's done and you're ready to really dive into your content, there's a few hard and fast rules that are not rules so much as best practice guidelines for SEO copywriting on page. The general rule of thumb is that if it's more than four lines long, okay, so that first the first paragraph. Uh, is like four or five lines, that would be perfect, okay? The next the next paragraph is almost double the size. Well, then you're going to want to break that up somewhere. So you can find a natural place to put a break in there. You can also visually kind of do a psychological hack and trick the mind into thinking there's less content there by adding more, which is by using that H2 header uh, or H3 header um, to hit specific keywords, but also make it intriguing and engaging. So, you know, in the case of the keyword assembly planner solution, have, having the, the header, the heart of the assembly planner solution being above a bigger chunk of text would be a really smart plan. Um, and, and help you to break up content a little bit, make it flow a little bit better, if you will. That, that those are really good rules of thumb generally is that if if you can break up content so that it reduces the reader fatigue and improves time on the page and reduces bounce rate, you're going to look better in the eyes of Google. And that's for anything. That's for a blog. That's for anywhere on page content. The other thing to keep in mind is crosslinks. They're very, very powerful. So if you mention another service or another product that's found somewhere else on your website, go ahead and add a crosslink that's going to open a new tab there because it, it encourages people to dig deeper. I call it the Wikipedia effect. We all you know, have been on Wikipedia a time or two where you know, you start searching for 
to find out about the history of, of you know, Washington State. And then next thing you know, you're, you're finding out how root canals are done. So <laughs> that same thing. There's a reason that Wikipedia has so many crosslinks, and it's because it keeps people engaged, keeps people on the site, which is why uh, they do that. And they, as a result, get a lot of higher search results. Check out the Deep Gripping Reality Podcast, your place for digital marketing tips, tricks, hacks, personal sales strategies, and more, all on major platforms. And that's all there is for today's episode of the Deep Gripping Reality Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you got a lot out of it. And if you did, why not share it? Talk to your friends. Check us out on social media platforms everywhere at TDGR Podcast. Until next time, dig deep, my friends.